Welcome to the Everyday Ultra Podcast, a show designed to help you level up your training, crush your races, and ultimately become a better endurance athlete every single day. Whether you're an endurance athlete as a hobby or someone who wants to be the best in the sport, this is the show for you. I'm your host, Joe Corsion, and thank you so much for listening. Now, let's get into it. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Everyday Ultra Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Corsione, and we're here with another episode of the monthly long run where we ramble about what's hot in the ultra running industry, give some hot takes, give some deep dive analysis on things, but also some casual conversations, just as if we were out on a long run conversing. That's what this series came about. And today we're chatting all things Western States 100, which is coming up this week. We chat a little bit into, you know, not worrying so much about what people post about on Strava, whether it's our own workouts or anyone other's workouts as well. And then we also talk about approaching big, hairy, and scary goals, despite it being absolutely scary. And today I'm joined by no other than Jeff Garmeyer, um, better known as the man with tons of FKTs, and he's an author of the book Free Outside as well, Um, just an accomplished ultra runner and through hiker as well that we have on the show too. And what's super cool is really want to shout out an awesome project that Jeff has been working on that recently just released, and that is a new freeze-dried meal from ReadyWise Outdoor, and it is a breakfast skillet, which is a Jeff Garmeyer Signature Edition Pro Meal. Now, this thing looks absolutely awesome. I love how they say it's chef-crafted but athlete-designed, and Jeff has put tons of work into designing this and you know, utilizing his experience being an accomplished thru-hiker, completing the triple crown of thru-hikes, which is the Appalachian Trail, Continental Divide Trail, and PCT in all in one year, along with other FKTs as well. Um, when it comes to getting a perfect freeze-dried meal, I would, couldn't think of another guy to go to than Jeff because he has tons of experience as well. So this thing looks awesome. If you want to try out the breakfast skillet, Jeff Garmeyer edition, check out the link in the bio um, and order your stuff for ReadyWise to fuel your next adventure. It looks absolutely delicious. I'm stoked to try this out and definitely super, super proud of Jeff for getting this done. Another shout out too. I also want to shout out Janji, who is supporting the Western States series. They have been my favorite apparel brand over the past few months and I've been wearing their clothes on the daily on my runs. My favorite is the run all day t-shirt. That thing is not only amazingly sleek and and looks just absolutely awesome, but it also keeps me super, super cool. And I run here in Phoenix where, you know, it gets up to a hundred degrees this time of year. And man, that thing has kept me cool all year round, or I should say all months round. It feels like years, you know, given how hot it is. If you want to try out their gear, which I totally recommend, I'm hooking you up with a 15% discount code off your order if you go to johnji.com, and that is spelled J-A-N-J-I.com, and use the code EverydayUltra at checkout for 15% off your order. Totally recommend it. The last thing I want to mention is that this episode does cover the Western States preview episode for sure, um, but we also cover a host of other topics as well. If you are looking to dive into the Western States stuff specifically, though, then feel free to go to the time stamp at pretty much about 59 minutes into this episode. So about an hour into this episode, we start diving into Western states. But if you want to hear all the philosophical talks that Jeff and I have about running, about Strava, about goals that we set, then feel free to tune in for this amazing episode of the monthly long run. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for listening and let's dive in. 
What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Everyday Ultra Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Corsione, and we're here for another episode of the monthly long run. And we got a new co-host here today. So he's a frequent flyer of this podcast, been on multiple episodes. You know him, you love him for all of his FKT adventures, which you've had most notably and recently the John Muir FKT um, and tons of other ones under his belt as well. AZ Trail, Colorado Trail, whole nine yards, the list goes on and on. Also the author of the book, The Free Outside. Love this book super cool and i'm showing the picture here uh, for those watching the video because i think like this cover is like gonna look like the start of western states this year with all the snow so like it's like a perfect i think picture when people are like what's that start gonna be like i'm just gonna show them the the, the uh, cover of this book here covered in snow but by now you probably guessed who our amazing co-host is is no other than the man himself of free outside jeff garmeyer jeff thanks for coming on man and co-hosting with me it's uh so great to have you on as always yeah thanks for having me this will be a, a fun one to dive into all things summer western and just start the uh adventuring season off right here Heck yeah. I love it, man. And you got a uh, nice early start with the adventuring season uh, coming back from the Tetons, which is one of the most beautiful places. So tell us a little bit about that. Cause, and I also loved your reflections of what you shared on social media, like from the trip, which I thought was so cool and just a nice ethos to have for like summer adventuring. So tell us about the trip and and tell us like what this, uh, what this brought to you, you know, coming back from a, a fun weekend. Yeah, uh, so it was a trip where we had an original plan to get as far on the Teton Crest Trail in the winter as we could, and we got up to the first, I don't know, 10,900 foot pass, and there was a huge cornice, and uh, it's pretty hairy, so we decided to, after about 10 miles, abort that plan, and so then we just became kids playing in the snow, and we did laps of glissading so just sliding on our butt down the steepest hill we could find and then we went back up and did it again and it was the perfect thing of just abort the original plan and just be like kids playing and having fun out there and kind of refound the the joy of when I fell in love with the outdoors back 12 years ago or something so it was pretty fun to just get a curveball and then hit it out of the park that's awesome i love that yeah and it's it's so cool because I, I think it, I've been in situations, especially at actually Teton Crest, where I like had plans to do the whole thing and it didn't go because like weather was coming in. I didn't have any spikes. It was super snowy. They told me like they were like, don't go up there by yourself. And I had to like totally like reshift like my plans and everything. But progress to me, I was like so married on the plan that. I, I almost got like upset, which looking back, I was like, that wasn't the right mindset to have. But for you, you were just like, Hey, I'm, I'm kind of here from whatever, no pressure. Like, was that kind of just the mindset to have in there? Uh, it became the mindset. I think it was, uh, this gung ho mentality starting out. And then it was the healthiest pivot, which just alleviated any pressure to have any results or do anything special. And then just got to, it was like my best week of training of the entire year. And it started off with, a uh, few days of just playing around in the mountains. So there's something to be said for just taking that pressure off and those numbers and those metrics. So once I did that, I got in, got back to Bozeman and had three more great days of running. And I think it just like turned everything around for being in a bit of a rut. Yeah, I, I love that. And I love how you mentioned healthy pivot, because I think sometimes pivots can be unhealthy or like you make like rash decisions that like for the sake of the goal, 
Uh, and by goal, I mean, like to your point, the metrics, the pacing, the time, which could mm. just be detrimental to the whole kind of thing. Right. Yeah, I think it can really, there's only two ways to go about it. Like when something adversity or something comes up, you can either be disappointed or you can find some other goal or enjoyment or just put yourself in the present. So there's really only two ways to treat it. And it was really fun to just let fun take over the few days I was out there rather than accomplishing anything notable of any sort. Yeah, I, I love that. And and mentioning too how this helped you to get out of a rut, which I think is is commonplace sometimes, like more than people think, like in terms of maybe going through a big race. I know uh you had Cocodona a little more than a month ago too, which obviously is a big race, a lot of kind of stuff. And um and it sounds like it was kind of after that period and you kind of found that love. So the reason why I'm asking this is because I think we're kind of at that point, right? We've gone through a lot of races through the year already, and we have a whole summer of racing as well and adventuring, right? Like this is, I think the time when people really need to lean into the enjoyment. So maybe for someone who's listening, who might be feeling in a rut or might be feeling just kind of maybe a little burnt out with maybe some training or things like that. Like what would be like your best piece of advice for people to, you know, uh, help themselves get out of that so that they can have a summer, you know, full of enjoyment and everything they want, whether it is racing, adventuring or anything else. Yeah. So I think a lot of people's a races are coming up over the next two months or so, especially some of these huge ones and just leaning into that and knowing that you're goal is training up getting to that start line and giving it your best shot on that day and you never really know as you've been very open and honest on here about like you never really know what's going to happen on that specific day and so whether it's a training run or your a race i think you really just gotta focus on the the day you're in rather than you know think about how you could have done better or set goals that on that day you uh couldn't really figure out or get to. So I think it's really just, I don't know, finding that presence. That's really what I found in the Tetons. No service up there at 11,000 feet sliding down a snowy hill. I'm just present in the moment rather than uh, forcing through what could have been a dangerous situation if we decided to press forward and just letting that be an okay decision. And um, I don't know, I think we're very results-driven, very Strava-based. Everyone's putting up crazy numbers on Strava lately. And just finding that presence within yourself and being proud of your individual things, whether it's getting to a start line healthy, that's a huge accomplishment. Like some of the best athletes in the world are hurt right now. So I think it's pretty important to just give yourself kudos for not doing 120 mile weeks if your body can't handle it and getting to your a race healthy and then you know give it your best shot but the point of your a race is it's that carrot at the end of training so just enjoying the the whole process of getting to race because it's pretty special or pretty privileged to even get to do that so i think if you go in with that mentality it makes that start line feel a little better it makes you your nerves a little more relaxed it makes things a little more realistic and results will usually be better if you just focus on the present rather than these grand, grand thoughts and things. And you can achieve your A goal by putting less, uh, less pressure on yourself once all the work is done. 
So good, dude. I love that. And I love how you framed it around like the A race is coming up because probably people listening to this, it might be Broken Arrow this weekend. It might be uh, Western States next week. It might be UTMB in August, right? Like we're getting the big A races or Hard Rock. Like who, like, I mean, there's just so many races kind of coming up. And to your point, it's it's sometimes good to to lay off maybe just the the thinking of what the goal can be in the day and thinking about being present in the moment of the training of, you know, what are you doing today and taking care of those things. And even to your point, like not getting caught up in, you know, what other people are doing on Strava, if it's going to end up hurting you. Cause I think that's, you and I have gone, gone back and forth about that. Like sometimes you get the Strava thoughts of, you know, maybe one day you take a rest day and then you open it up and you see someone pumped out like an 18 mile workout. And you're like, Oh man, like, you know, could, could I be doing more? And I think it's a, common uh human experience that like our brain always can put us into um but to your point like when we just lean into the enjoyment and have fun and i love how like you even mentioned before this like you you wore no watch in the tetons right it was just all just fun and no service and just kind of enjoyed it right well it was in my backpack you know i had to track it for the strava metrics but I, we were not <laughs> we were not watch based uh but yeah i think that, that it is actually a good conversation i think overtraining is sort of seems like it's coming back like almost how it was a decade ago where a lot of the big names in the sport after 3 or 4 years dealt with a lot of overtraining syndrome and um, a lot of people have talked about that, but it seems like we're getting back there. You open up Strava on your rest day and you feel guilty for doing exactly what your body needs. So it's getting crazy. People are throwing up insane numbers and I don't know, I would just caution everyone to no one else is going to feel like you do or know how you feel and don't base your training on anyone other than if you have a coach, cause they're going to work with you and just yeah, listen to your body. It's okay to take two rest days in a row. In fact, that's when I feel the healthiest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. And that's such an interesting conversation to have, right? It's like, did Strava, like the the resurgence of Strava almost like accelerate overtraining? Because I would, I would agree. Like, I would think, yes. Like, it's almost like regular social media and how it's, you know, also has a correlation with negative mental health, right? Because you're always like comparing each other and same with Strava. I feel like you can see someone else's training block, try to emulate it and then put yourself in a position where you get a stress fracture, or, you know, tear a muscle or something like that's an interesting thing. Do you think, I mean, obviously it's probably all anecdotal, probably no one's done a study, but do you think if like there was, do you think there's a positive correlation between Rise of Strava and maybe overtraining? I think there has to be. So let's put, if me and you were racing in two months and it was like very competitive, we would look at each other's Strava. We would be competitive. Yeah. (laughs) So I think every top athlete racing against other top athletes, they're, they're peaking at Strava, which I think it makes it more amazing that Courtney's not on there and makes it probably healthier and also more mysterious too. But yeah, if we were um, going head to head at something, we'd take a peek at each other's training to see if we think we're winning the race to training for the race before the actual race. So I, I do think just the nature of information, we're just overwhelmed with it. And I don't know that we're using it all for good. Yeah, it's, it's so true. Cause I've even caught myself like, you know, before towing the line of like Javelina or black Canyon, like I'm open up, like people who are towing the line to see their stuff. And of course, like, I'm like, Oh, like they put up this workout, but I didn't. And like, you get those thoughts and it's interesting. You bring up athletes like Courtney and others who, you know, aren't even on Strava. And and I mean, look at Courtney, she's not on Strava and she's 
one of the greatest runners of all time. I know you, you kind of like took a little bit of a, a break off Strava as well, like um, before Cocodona. And I know we kind of talked about it briefly in the preview episode. Did you feel like that would be something you would ever be intrigued to like go dark on Strava for like a year or something? Or like what I'm curious, like with your experience doing that, like how, how have you thought about that? Maybe in terms of like the long term or something like that? Well, I also, I don't think Killian's on Strava either. So that yeah. is your one, two in the world. So yeah. I don't know if there's any lessons there, but every year I try to take uh, either November or December off Strava so oh. that uh, like, I'll know that I went for an hour to run, but then I'm not looking at metrics or worried about it in the grand scheme of things. And it's really about, you know, it's I usually race on January 1st. So from January 1st to November, pack in a bunch of stuff. And then at the end of that, I take it off mostly personally so that when I'm running, I'm listening to my body rather than looking at a pace on a watch Mm. or something like that. So it's less about the social interaction and more about running how you're supposed to run to feel rather than a number on a watch. So it's an intriguing thought to take a lot of time off Strava. I don't know. I I think so. I think I'd be interested at some point to give it a go. Oh man. And and that's awesome that you have kind of do like a no Strava November, December. Like I, I don't think I've ever done like a Strava cleanse, like more or less. And, uh, it, it's interesting. And I'm curious if other people think this way too, and I'll just be fully open about it. It's like, I almost feel like anxious, like going, not being on Strava, like me personally, like, because like, I'm like, but then at the same time, I come back to that and I'm like, well, why do I care so much what people think? And then you start to get into that cycle of Strava. So it's like an interesting thing that I battle that I'm curious if I'm, I'm sure other people battle it. Yeah. And so I started coaching. I have like three or four athletes right now. And the oh, biggest sweet. thing that we work on is going slower, like contrary to because you go on Strava and you see like uh, 20 miles at eight minute pace, but like really I don't know, 80% of the time you're shooting for that nine plus closer to 10 minute pace. You want your forever legs. And that's been the most eye-opening thing of like go slower to go faster almost type of thing. And it's been really, really interesting to talk and interact with people pushing up in distance and things like that, because it is so counterintuitive to going, like you think to go faster, you have to run faster more. Whereas like no, it's, it's a distance thing. You have to be able to go consistently further. So good. Yeah. It, it is the concept that I also think like begets Strava, right? Because like, sometimes we put up an easy run and we're like, Oh, like people are going to think I'm slow, but it's like, I mean, first of all, it's a point to go slow. And second of all, it's, it's like you're building base on there. And like, there's even times where I've, you know, looked down at my watch and I've been like, Oh, like this is going to be uh, uh, you know, slow run on Strava, but I got to constantly remind myself, like, it doesn't matter. You know, it's like, like, it doesn't matter like what people think or anything like that. It's like, I'm doing this for the long haul. I mean, you look at guys like Jeff Browning who basically almost wins every single hundred miler or race he's been in for like the past, you know, few years and his runs, I mean, he's not pushing anything more than like 10 30 pace or like 11 minute pace. And there's a good reason for that. And probably why he's been like, so, um, you know, durable in the sport. I mean, just going on at the rate as he is, like he's not stopping and he's just getting stronger and stronger, which is just so interesting to say. Yeah. And even the the distance things like during the week, if I only have and go on a two mile run, I feel like weird putting that on Strava. Cause it's like, 
it's too short or something like that. And there's just, I don't know. I don't know that there's that much judgment on Strava, but when we put it up, we judge ourselves so much on the numbers we're putting out there or you even go look at people's weeks or our own weeks. And it's like, Oh man, I haven't had people mention things going into Cocodona about how low the volume was the past three or four weeks right before it. And it was just like, why are you putting that out there? Like I need to show up healthy and I'm confident I can do it, but there's just so much judgment over a lot of numbers that we put out there. Yeah, for sure. And and people watch, like they, they watch, they tune in. Like I even, and like, I'll be honest, like I know we were talking about Western States today. Like I was literally on Strava checking the numbers of like anyone who's putting it out there. So it's like, I, I, I'm totally guilty of it as well. But yeah, it's, it's interesting to see that like, that's been the basis of how we assess someone's training. And even if like, they're not like descriptive. Cause like some people would just leave it as like morning run and I'm guilty of that. Like I'm starting to add like more context into it too, but um, we tend to take it at base value. But in the end of the day, like we don't know what the intention was unless they like explicitly say it or anything. It's, it's almost just like social media. Like you see someone's life, you know, looking so great, but you don't know, or even like you see someone with like fast runs to go back to your slower point. Like someone might be banging out like, you know, seven minute miles, like consistently. And then, but like on the start line and they go on a hundred mile race and maybe they fizzle out. It's because they were probably flying too close to the sun on those like runs and they weren't actually easy. And, you know, they end up just having this low aerobic base. Um, so it's, it's one of those things where it's like, you can't judge a Strava post by its cover all the time, you know? Yeah. And just to put a, a bow on this for everyone, I know a ton of athletes who are incredible at the 20 to 25 mile trail run will put up incredible numbers, but they really struggle at kind of the more traditional 50 mile, hundred K hundred mile races because they don't run any miles at that pace. It's, it's just, it's a whole different ball game. So I don't know. It's, it's a really interesting thing and hopefully we can all check ourselves a little bit and just stick to your own plan, stick to your own guns and just, the key is to show up feeling as good about your own self as possible and not look to your right or left and worry about how everyone else trained out there. So good. Yeah. And it, it's such a good message to have going into the summer as we get more into the A races. Cause if you stay in yourself, you get healthy in the start line and that's the goal of it all. Like we want to be able to make it, which is great. And so kind of coming into, before we touch on Western States real quick, like in terms of your summer adventures and maybe your A race for the rest of the year, like what, what we were kind of talking about this a little bit before, but for our listeners, like, what do you currently have your eyes on? You see as your a race. I mean, I, I know a, a big hundred miler you have coming up, which is, which is awesome. Um, local here in the AZ area, but tell us, tell us about your summer adventures and maybe your a race coming up. Oh man. I don't know that I've circled an a race. I, there's a bunch of, so I love both racing and I love exploring or trail running. So there's a ton of routes I've drawn up in Montana that, like we have mountain ranges that are 50 to a hundred miles long. And I would love to explore some more of those um, as kind of a personal goal. And then more the racing goal is do pretty well at muggy on monster. And then um, I'm always one to jump in a few races throughout the year. And of course I always try to go for a pretty big FKT every year. So we'll see. And we'll see how the snow melts this year to see what I can get out and do. But uh yeah, I think uh, 
go for a good hundred mile time at Mugion and then explore locally and just see some stuff that's within an hour or two drive that I just, I will fly to Arizona and race, but I won't drive two hours. So this mm -hmm. summer is about trying to experience some of that stuff because it's, it's so awesome. That's so cool. You mentioned that because it's so easy to think about and I've been guilty of this too. Sometimes it's like to look at, um, you know, different races and like want to fly, but like we have you, wherever you live, there's beauty, like wherever, like I used to live in Wisconsin and I used to think like, Oh, like Wisconsin's like not for trail running, but little did I know, like an hour from where I was living, some of the most beautiful trails. I mean, I'm sure you, you know, the ice age trail, which is like the oh, 800, yeah. yeah. 800 miles, like throughout that. I mean, that is an epic trail, like all throughout there. And I wouldn't have known if, you know, I didn't just look at the map and see like what's out there. So that's like super cool that you're exploring the area where you're at too. Cause I think it also gives you an appreciation for where you live, you know, a lot more. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think everyone should, to be an ultra runner, you don't have to race ultra marathons or anything. You're or a trail runner. At least you can like go on a 50 K run in basically your backyard. And that's, certainly running an ultra it's exploring something and in fact you gain a lot more out of that because you're unsupported you're carrying everything you got to figure out water and so i love those adventures i love racing but i also think they're so different and having kind of those personal goals um, along with more of the racing and traditional goals at least help keep me a little bit grounded as far as i want to go do this route an hour away which weekend am i going to plan it and then i'm going to go do this hundred miler in september so just two different goals and they both contribute to each other. Super cool. And it doesn't like lock you into one like archetype of activity, right? It's not just like, of, of course, there's like racing hard and like wanting to do well, but then you have like your FKTs and then you have like your giant trail runs on routes you want to explore. Like it's almost you're going through and switching it up a little bit to get some diversity and also just becoming not just a well-rounded athlete, but like a well-rounded person in the sport, which is super cool. So um, that's awesome, man. I'm excited to see your adventures and hopefully this, uh, this snow melts so you can get out there and, and rip some peaks for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So what are your, your goals coming up? Do you have anything uh, on the calendar here? Yeah. So, uh, the big thing is, is like hobbling a hundred. I know it's not summer, but like a lot of my summer is going to be kind of building up towards that. Um, my next like official race is going to be the Kauai five Oh in Hawaii. Um, we had Brady Silverwood, who is the race director. He was on the podcast and he's a good friend of mine. Um, he's putting on the race. There's a lot of prize money. There's like 15 K for first place. So, um, I'm getting married next year. So I got like a a wedding to pay for. So I'm going to try and just go as hard as I can to, uh, to, um, you know, cover, cover, cover some of that wedding cost. but there's like some speedy people signed up. I mean, Ryan Miller signed up. Who's like pretty fast Preston Cates, who was just in nationals is signed up. So, um, and then I even saw this morning, like on an email thread, there's like a Solomon professional athlete on there. So like, I didn't realize there was this many like stacked people, which is like kind of exciting. Cause I'm like, Oh, this is going to be a little bit more than what I thought, which is almost exciting to me. Like, I think initially I signed up and I was like, oh, this will be maybe in, you know, a first place that I can get like pretty easy, but it's almost more intriguing to me now that there's more people in and there's going to be competitive. Cause I think, I don't know, to me, I'd rather race in a race that is against more competitive people than be the best guy on that start line. If that makes sense. I, I think there's a rewarding feeling to that. I don't know. Do you, do you kind of feel the same way or do you relate? at times. 
yeah, I think to get the best out of yourself, you have to be amongst people that are the best. So I think that that's sort of always the hope is you have this competitiveness. I think it's, you aren't going to run your best hundred mile time when you're in front by a few hours. It's that racing aspect, which is the reason to race or else you would just go do the route on your own time. So I think there is something really fun and competitive about getting the best race field you can. And I don't know, racing is such a process. I think for I've my first <laughs> big race was like two and a half years ago. And so you're pretty new as well. So every race is that uh, opportunity. And the more people that you're amongst and against, you get to learn so much. And I think we're still fairly early on the learning curve. Yeah. Which is, which is so awesome that you mentioned that because like I, I, one of the most impactful things that I've ever heard on the podcast was I was interviewing Abby Hall and, and she's coached by like Jason Coop and, you know, Abby Hall is Abby nowadays. She's known as one of the best female trail runners out there. Um, and she was saying that when she got early on in her career, she was signing up for all these races where there was just so many just people better than her. And she like learned so much from those experience. And even though like they were rough in the moment and like, you know, like she was, you know, really just putting up a fight against these people. It's like, she learned so much. And I think that is like a big thing or she attributes of like what made Abby, Abby today. So I think about that a lot. And like, I think that should be, if you want to get better, like, I think sometimes it's good to be the worst person in the room. Like if that makes sense. Oh, you're going to learn the most. <laughs> Yeah. hundred percent, hundred percent. Um, so that's, yeah. So I got, I got Kawhi five Oh, um, we'll, we'll see what happens racing and some fast dudes there. I'll probably do some smaller stuff in between. Um, haven't decided yet on like what other stuff I want to jump in on, but, um, I'll definitely do some like smaller tune-up races, but like Javelina is the goal. I really want to go for that golden ticket and, and try and lock it in this year. And, um, I think I, I got a good shot. I think, uh, even after a rough two first races this year, um, learned a lot from it. Like definitely got my ass beaten twice. Um, and that's okay because, you know, I learned the lessons and that's what I signed up for. And I asked for it. And I do think a lot of the things that I've learned along with just really stoked to race in my hometown again. And, or, well, I should say where I'm living now, not my home hometown, but, you know, just being in the desert and, um, getting another shot at a race that, um, was just so fun last year, I think is I'm, I'm feeling confident. Like I, I know I've probably called the shot in the last two saying I was going to get a golden ticket, but I'll, I'll keep on doing it. I, I think Javelina will, will be the ticket entry in the States for me. So we'll see. Yeah. I mean, you did well last year and you got a lot of learning to build on from the first, the start of this year. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. And you've been so encouraging along the way. So, um, and dude, I even, uh, I told you, I read your book, man. And I, a lot of the stuff in here, just, I think about when I'm in those like difficult situations and I'm like, you know, it's interesting because I have aid like three miles away from me, but like out here you have like no aid, like you just, you just have you and, and the critters that are out there, which is <laughs> just a, um, a thing that I think about a lot. So, so know that I take it to you, uh, in terms of inspiration and stuff. So, all right. So in this part of the conversation, we were dealing with some internet issues and some connectivity stuff. So what happened was the conversation that we were currently recording was getting broken up and it just wasn't going well. So what we had to do was 
pick up our session at uh, the previous day or the two days after. I can't remember. I think it was two days after, but we re-recorded the conversation after that. And where it began was Jeff asked me how the Everyday Ultra podcast began. And that is where we're diving back into the conversation to pick it up here. Take a listen. But yeah, so I had a podcast before this one and it was called like the art of fulfillment. And I actually did that for like three years. Um, and the whole thing around that was, um, I went through like a really low period in my life, got hooked on drugs, was like super miserable, just really just was not in a good spot. And I went through this whole process of getting sober and like finding myself and really just like ultimately turning my life around and like finding a meaningful life. So started the podcast because I wanted to have other people on who were overcoming challenges and everything like that. And it was like, cool. Like I had a lot of episodes doing it for three years, but like it never gained traction. Um, I think it was just too broad of like mm -hmm. a, a, a concept. And at the same time, I think there's just so many motivation and self-help podcasts out there that it was just like kind of diluted. So um, never really went anywhere, but towards the end of it, I noticed myself interviewing more ultra runners because I was getting, like more into the sport. And I got feedback. People were like, Oh, I don't want to hear just ultra runners. But I was like, I kind of just want to talk to ultra runners. So I'm just going to yeah. start an ultra running podcast. And it's, it's interesting. Cause we were talking about like the hesitancy. I was hesitant for a while just cause I was, was making BS excuses. Like I don't have the time and all that stuff. Um, then I got injured and I had all this free time, no training. <laughs> and I was like, all right, well, if there's a time now's the time. And so launched the podcast in December, like 2021 on the heels of being injured and just, yeah, it's just kind of been consistent. And I think the growth came from just like being in a niche, you know, like being in a niche, being in um, a very, you know, kind of, I don't want to say small, but relatively smaller kind of subset group and like finding that ideal message. Um, so yeah, man, it's been, and like, honestly, it really just started with me wanting to learn about the sport. And um, I would just ask the questions I would want. And I assumed like, Hey, maybe other people have these questions. And so, um, yeah, just kind of grew and took off and, um, had a few big names on and then it just like exploded. And, um, yeah, it's been honestly kind of wild ever since. So yeah, that's well, that, kind of the journey. Yeah. That's the way to do it. I mean, every probably five or six of the top 10 podcasts in the world are people who are just curious and they have experts on, so they're just learning. They're not necessarily sharing too much they're just helping distribute the knowledge and learn themselves so it's the curious people who have the best podcasts so i think it's such a cool way to jump into it yeah i appreciate that man and dude you do a great job at it as well like i was you know listening to your your interviews for cocodona as well through era vipa and it's like you have that curiosity and i think that's like what it takes to not just be like a good podcast host but like content creator right it's like curiosity of like, Hey, like, how can we bring this to life? How can we convey this message? Right. Like just thinking about all those things and just being curious about life in general. Cause like, it's so cool to like your experience, like with the Colorado trail unsupported, right. Before that there was like no good content. And did that come from an idea of you just being like, what if we pulled off like a movie? Like, like I I'm curious, like how did that ideation come about? This is a, a good story actually. Um, so I was approached in mid 2020 about doing hosting and doing a TV show. And ultimately uh, we shot the pilot. Actually, I was flown to Vegas, put up, it was a really weird weekend. Um, <laughs> and we went ahead and shot the pilot for it. I set a record and they filmed it all. And then the financier, the executive producer 
uh, ended up, so about a month later while they're talking about editing and kind of moving it forward and talking about filming a second episode, found out he hadn't um, paid the crew or at least a number of them. And I hadn't officially signed anything that tied me to it yet. We were still working on some of the contract details. And I said, I wouldn't move forward with anything until he paid the crew because um, I'd become friends with the crew. And it was like, I'd like you to kind of prove that, you know, you're, you're true to your word. And it got contentious. I had to get a lawyer. It cost some money. And so oh my I was already planning on doing the Colorado trail. I think it was late August of 2020. And I contacted three or four or maybe five or six of the crew members and was like, I'm doing this. I think we can pull off this movie. Um, here's kind of what we're working with, with the number. And this is like all I have for money, but I love doing this risk thing. Do you want to be a part of it? So I, it started with this pilot, became friends with people um, that were the crew. They came out. It was some of their first times camping. Some of them had never been to Colorado before, yeah. shot the movie. And then, um, yeah, we had great uh, people as far as camera and crew and stuff. But then it was like, well, I don't think to make the movie we deserve to make. We have all the editing skills. So I brought, brought my other, actually a really good friend out of LA who's edited some of the biggest pilots for the biggest movies that everyone's heard of, but brought him in and he edited it. And we ended up with the movie two years later. So there was no planning. I never set out to either write a book or make a movie, but when there's that, that door there that you can either walk through or be afraid of, I often like to dive right through it and just, you know, take that risk. And at that time I was 29 and it's like, what's the worst thing that can happen? And it's like, well, it's not that bad. So let's just go for it. Cause some people's dream is to do this. And I just happen to have this opportunity. So let's go for it. Dude. Wow. For, that's a wild story. And, <laughs> and to see like one door close with the TV show and go through like all that contentious stuff to, to really come back and just be like, I'm going to do this one thing on my own. And it sounded like it, like you were putting a lot of your, your, your money and kind of like, you know, funds into it too. Like, was it like a, like a, a, a large, like portion of it? Like, is that, I mean, it can be cheap to film one of these things, but the reason why I asked that is because like, that can be a scary thing for people. And to see you wanting to make a big bet like that, was that like, what was that kind of, was that scary? Like, I'm, I'm curious on that decision. Oh yeah. It was super scary there. Uh, I mean, even working with, so we had to have a color correction and then a sound mixer and stuff like that. And those are all like things you have to pay for. And it's just like, how about I'll pay you or even original music and stuff like pay half now and half in six months, like working on this. It's like, I don't, once I start things, this, it wasn't going to go unfinished, but it took two years to kind of get through the process and get a finished thing. But yeah, it was a, a pretty substantial chunk of money. So hopefully there's some return and even setting up these screenings, it's me and Jason, the editor doing a lot, but mostly comes down to me working directly with the theater, booking it, marketing it. And it's been this wonderful experience of learning, but it has been so scary to imagine renting a like Ben was like a 400 seat theater or maybe 500. And it's like, will anyone show up? How do I even get 500 people to know this exists? And so it's almost that, um, like just that pressure that you operate under. And, and I think that I've shown I can do pretty good under the pressure, but it has, 
had some scary moments and been pretty crazy, but it's, it's a super fun ride. And I think when I left a career in 2018 for good, that kind of was the start to, if there's these opportunities, at least explore them until you realize they're not a good fit, or if they are just keep on chugging and see what happens. And yeah, it's, it's pretty wild. It's none of these things I really, other than the getting out in the wild, none of these content things or Instagram or anything I ever had any intention or dream to do. I didn't even, I was one of the last people to join Instagram that I even knew. So it's just such a funny ride that it's been of just chase your passion and don't hesitate to uh, pick up those opportunities along the way. So cool, man, dude, so much respect. Cause like, I, man, to, to go through that, that fear of man, could this go wrong? Or like this uncertainty is just, that's like a big thing that I think everybody faces in life. And, you know, even me, like, you know, there are even some things that I look at that it's uncertain and you look at it and you're like, shit, this is scary. But to your point, it's like, if this is going to lead to like a meaningful life and stuff that, you know, really fills you up, like to your point, like, I mean, you you had a pretty successful like career in finance, like, which is very lucrative and like on paper, everyone's probably like, oh, you're doing so great. Like you're doing well. But if it's like not filling you up, like, you know, from here, not just the wallet, it's, it's like, why are we doing that? And to make that leap though is it's because on the bat it's like yeah of course like chase your passion pursue your dreams but it does require that that courage to move on despite the fear you know which uh is interesting because like that my conversation with dylan bowman was like exactly the same thing he was talking about like free trail and starting that up and it's it's so interesting to see because um i think everybody faces that right like no one is immune to it. And if anyone is like, I I honestly, I would be hesitant to say like, if anyone was like, yeah, like I wasn't scared and I took this big risk. It's like, I don't know, man. Like, I feel like it's as it's a human experience, but it's also like a beautiful experience, you know? Yeah. And when you first take that risk, it's pretty lonely. You don't get a lot of support when you go against the grain and give up something that lots of people want or success on paper or something. So that's the hardest part is that initial plunge. You're probably putting out the first episode of either your first podcast or this one was super scary because it's like, now it's out there. It's out there forever. <laughs> Dude, hundred percent. Like I, I remember the first time I had like the biggest first, like big guest I've had on was like Mike McKnight. And I was so nervous. Like I was like, I literally did hours and hours of research. I was like, and even if you like listen to the episode coming back, like it, you can tell like my voice is a little nervous and stuff like that. Cause I was like, Oh shit. Like what? Like, but then you, you get better and like you, you get, I never say you like, you know, it gets easier, but you get more, um, you just get better, like skills wise, like, you know how to present better. And even so, like someone wrote like, uh, and you still learn along the way because someone wrote a review on thing. They're like, yeah, Joe, the, I love the episodes. They're great. But the host says like, and um, too many times. And <laughs> I listen to some episodes and like, you know what, they're right, but great. Like now I know I can get better. And it's like, it never gets easier, but at the same time, it, it just like, to your point, it gets easier to move on despite the uncomfortable moments, you know? Yeah. And probably with hundreds of good reviews, you're only going to remember like, and um, that's a front of mind right. because you will never focus on the positives and stuff. Cause you're always looking to improve and get better or those negative things kind of eat at you. So it's trying to compartmentalize that too. So big kudos. Cause you're putting yourself out there every single week and with really big names in, in this sport that have 
really been to the places you want to be too. So it's pretty amazing how you're attacking this too. Thank you, man. And I, I know I tell you this all the time. You're you're right on that list of of people, you know, who I aspire to be like for sure. Because it's a, it, it's an honor to have you know you on the show and to learn from you and to get to know you more over the years too. Like it's it's super cool. And I'm sure you can relate. It's like when you're in these different kind of races, or I'm sure even through like you know your your movie stuff, like you meet like people who like you respect and they end up becoming like friends, which is like just so cool, right? Have you had that like in your experience of obviously like FKTs and, and everything like that, but also like the movie and, and things like that? Yeah, it's it's insane because you, like I remember reading or even maybe listening to Courtney on mm. Joe Rogan. And at one point in my first Cocodona ever, it was me, Bryce Brooks, Jamil Curry and Courtney DeWalter running at like 1 a.m. crossing the Verde River. And it's just what? like, oh, my gosh, this is it's just pretty wild where things take you, especially if uh, you're willing to be in it for the long haul, because I think in this world of instant gratification and short clips, a lot of these things that have lasting impacts on your life, they take years to accomplish. They Nothing comes easy. Yeah, I love that point too because I was going to ask this question earlier about like the movie and then, and obviously we're going to states too but like this this is, this is just such a good conversation thread like uh when you first started the movie did you know that it was going to be like a long game right because like you said it took 2 years to produce and like you're still in it like going through and doing you know uh the theater bookings and getting the names out and you know trying to like secure like deals and things like that like did you know it was a long game and if not like what um, and even if so, how do you practice that delayed gratification? Like, um, because even like, you know, in an FKT, you probably have to still practice that thing. Like you can't go too out too hot. You can't, you know, be aggressive as early on. And so like, did you know it was a long game? And even if so, you, or if not, like, how do you practice that delayed gratification? I had no idea the process <laughs> that would be involved in a movie. It was like, okay, we shot it all. And then we had like a, group call and it was sort of like this now what thing and it's like a couple of people are like can take a stab at editing this and it was just like I yeah just continually had to add to the team find people with the skills that fit in and really turn going from a career and managing a couple of people into working for myself and being kind of responsible for myself I had to go back into being almost a leader of this mm. whole thing with no idea where it would go and there were a lot of times where I had to call people and ask for help or guidance or like what do we even do now like I have no clue and so um, just with connections or friends of friends of friends uh, talked to a couple of them and the biggest advice they gave was just hold on to it as long as you can as far as like don't bring in um, mm -hmm. any external influence or money and make the movie you want and then work with that to uh, put out there. And that also made it probably a year longer of a process just with money and time and commitment. But it was a really good learning experience of the more controller, the more pieces you give up, the less that finished product is going to be like what you want it to be. So yeah, no idea what it was. Things kept coming up of just like, or eat so like sound mixing didn't know that was a thing music is like oh yeah i guess of course it needs music in there but and then it's like color correction it's like i'm colorblind what even is that okay i guess it needs that too and then we need versions for different theater projection systems and even when we were starting the tour 
it was like, oh, we need insurance for this tour. It was just like, oh my gosh, I didn't know any of this stuff existed, but I've always been curious and into learning. So as soon as it's like, we need this, it just dive on deep into researching, asking around. And um, I think that's what still gets me going and kind of what's drawn me to work with some athletes on the longer races and even mm. uh, FKTs and stuff too, is because I, since starting that a couple months ago, I've just learned more that's going to help me in my running and stuff like that. It just, this new way in curiosity, it's, I think that the second we stop learning or diving deeper into subjects, you can always read a two minute article or watch a TikTok, but the real learning comes when, you know, you got to dive in for a 30 hour week on learning a topic because you don't even know how to have a a conversation with someone who's an expert on it. <laughs> yeah, dude. So good. I love that. Yeah. Cause you, you learn the most when you're in it. Like, and even though like it definitely is the more painful way than just cracking open a book and reading about it, like you do get the most results and it sounds like, like you got right. You make the video and it's like, you have to talk about the, <laughs> the, the color, uh, you know, the coloring and the, the music and all the <laughs> things you don't think about. And it's like, if you research that and honestly might've been like, at least for me, like overwhelmingly, it's like, Oh, I got to do all these steps. Right. Like, and yeah. it's almost like when you're in it, you, it's like, well, you have no choice and you've come this far. So like, we got to figure it out, which is super cool. Yeah. You probably had to learn to like edit audio and stuff. And I mean, oh, yeah, you think you just have a podcast and a conversation and it just, then you post it and then it's like, Oh yeah, we need like bumper music or edit this up and it's it's so fascinating what goes into these things where we only see the finished product yeah 100 percent. yeah exactly like i remember the first time i got like my first sponsor on the podcast and i'd never had a sponsor in a podcast before they were like send me your media kit send me a contract like <laughs> send me your rates what did i not have no media kit no contract no <laughs> rates and I, but i said on there i was like all right yeah i'll send that over to you and literally i was like like figuring it out. Like I hired someone, I was like, you know, on Fiverr, I was like, can you make me a media kit? Like put all this stuff on here. Like, like went on and found a contract thing. It's like, just figured out in the moment. But if I like, was like, oh, I waited to go to the sponsor to like have all these things. Like, would I have gone out to them? Like, I don't know. Like it's, it's just, um, yeah, it's an interesting principle. It's like, you're almost forced to act like when you're actually in it, which is, but you have to get there by actually acting. It's like kind of like that paradox. Yeah. And you just like hear the word media kit, send it over and you're like, okay, I guess I'm staying up till three in the morning. Let me start by <laughs> Googling media kit. What are rates for whether podcast or like how much should I ask for, for a brand to have their logo in this? And it's just like, I think we all assume everyone who does things knows what they're doing. And it's a lot of just figuring it out on the fly of all right, I can get that to you tomorrow morning and I will not be sleeping tonight because I have to learn exactly what I'm even getting you. Right, exactly. It's like that last part. It's like, uh, like sometimes you might not even know. They're like, yeah, I'll get that to you soon. And meanwhile, the person's like scrambling. And to your point, it, it's interesting too because like, you know, you start to see things and and even, you know, experience and you get more, uh, more like reps in, you realize that it's like, we're, you're, you're probably not the only one. Like there's some other people who are just figuring out and essentially we all are in the end of the day, right? Even if we're experts, we're, we're kind of figuring it out too, which, um, and I, I know I keep asking the same last question, but I'm actually curious about your coaching stuff. Like what wanted, what made you want to start coaching? Right. Because it's super cool to see you like working with athletes and everything. And obviously like you were 
not a not busy guy. Like you have a yeah. lot going on. And so what made you want to start coaching athletes? Cause like, I'm sure that was another decision where, you know, it's, it's a new thing you're kind of going into. And so like, we're talking about, you know, going for our goals and dreams. And so, uh, coaching is a recent one for you. So what inspired you to, to start coaching athletes? Yeah. I've always loved, um, helping and working, I guess, collaborating and just kind of this back and forth of knowledge. And I wanted to get into it for a while. I'd done a lot of sort of mentoring or just like one-off calls or sessions or training things for people with FKTs. And then it kind of became this thing of, I really want to do this. I'm already diving into learning about it for myself and especially some of the translatable FKTs and goals and stuff. And I just decided it was going to be scary, but it was time to put it out there and just took on four athletes at first and pretty like very basement price of just like, I want feedback from you too. I know a lot about, like I have read and learned so much because I'm obsessed with being better at all these different types of endeavors as well. But I want to hear like how to coach, taught myself all about training peaks for and mm. on the coaching side for a couple months before I even put it out there. And then when I felt that I hit that confidence level, um, decided to put myself out there, take on four athletes. And even I got an email this morning and one of the athletes was said like, Oh yeah, like all, cause I even kind of came up with the strength routine and stuff. And he's like, it's so weird. My old, uh, like forever pace, when I go that I'm feeling inefficient and I just can, it's, I'm running at a faster pace at that forever pace kind of thing. And it's like, holy cow, this is, this is incredible, but it's worked for me over the past from the first Cocodona to this one as well. And it's just been really cool to have that back and forth feedback, put yourself out there and really design and work with athletes one-on-one. And even during the pandemic, there was a shortage of substitute teachers in Montana. And I uh, substitute taught like one day a week because I just no love shit. teaching and helping people. And yeah, I always have thought like if I end up with a family and stuff, that's like a perfect career because you get to work with kids and have their same schedule. So I've just loved that teaching part and passing things on. And there's so much imposter syndrome because it's like, well, Zach Bitter knows everything about everything. I can't do that. <laughs> but it's just like I've been selective on which athletes I work with and where I feel like always have the intro call, make sure that I can add value and still feel like I'm nervous that I'm, you know, don't know as much as someone else out there. But it's been really cool. I actually ran with one of my athletes on Monday in mm. Portland. And it it was just, yeah, it's really cool to hear people excited about progress and you're getting to be a part of that. So I think it's just really fulfilling to, to, I don't know, help someone other than yourself in this sport when it's often individually focused and overall it can be kind of a little bit more community and you're all achieving your goals together. So I, I send them what's coming up for me or my strategies for stuff. And Mm. then also another, a couple, like now I know quite a few people it's like, well, I do this. I know this person who does really well does this. Um, yeah, it's been it's been really interesting and really fun. I'm just like yearning. I I brought two books with me and they're both kind of in that running realm, uh, or at least one of them. Uh, and it's just like I'm just yearning to keep learning about all this stuff and 
get more knowledgeable because it's it's more gratifying to watch and help other people achieve their goals, I think, than even myself. Cause I get to the end of an FKT and it's like, all right, I did it. I enjoyed the process. It's cool to check that off, but now what do I do? But it's mm. really rewarding to have someone say, well, I'm already faster than six weeks ago. And it's just like, yes, that's awesome. <laughs> Way more stoked for you than whatever long run I did last week. And it's so fun. Wow. So you see those as like more fulfilling and like, like much, like even you just tell it the voice just, so do you get like more stoked by seeing those like wins than, than the John Muir trail FKT, like all those, cause like that's people probably see that on paper and they're like, Oh, it must be like super stoked and everything. But sounds like the, the wins of your clients have been like more like they, oh, yeah. they fire more. Wow. Yeah. So awesome. It's so fun to just watch someone have a goal and put in the work slowly to get towards that goal, be curious. They're coming up with questions. I don't know the answer to, so I'm diving into more research and coming up with more for them. And it's like open book. I don't know everything. And I hope that makes me um, good at helping you achieve your things. And it's just like, we're in this together. Our goal is to get you to your goal. And it feels really cool to be a part of that. Dude, that is freaking awesome man like and even just even having you on the pod like a few times like just sharing your insight and knowledge and everything it i can tell like you must be a great coach and even just to have i think the best coaches and it sounds like you 100% have this are the ones that like they're obviously they're they're credible they have the results which you 100% do like you have the results under your belt but i think even more importantly is like there's still a desire to learn you know it's yep. not, I know it all. It's not, I like, I am the expert. It's, Hey, like, I'm still curious. I'm still learning. Like, because I think that allows you to not only be better, but also allows you to like, think, how can I serve this person better? How can I, you know, if they have a question that, you know, you don't know off the bat, like you said, you research it. And so then, you know, for the future, oh, I can help more people with X, Y, and Z. Like, I think that honestly is one of the most underrated aspects of a coach is like, having someone who is also like knowing that they still have so much to learn. Like, cause I think everybody, no one, you know, is ever going to know everything, but I think it takes a smart person to realize that and like fully understand as opposed to, I got all these records here and yada, yada, yada. It's like, like, and that's, that's why, like, I, you know, work with Zach really well. He's always learning and like, same with like you, like I can see like why that's being a good coach and everything. And so, yeah, that's a, a super cool perspective to have. Yeah. And I, I wanted to hit on that too. Zach better so knowledgeable about so much and he still has experts and is asking mm. and learning from them on his podcast. So if a guy who has been at top of the mountain and, you know, it's one of the best at many different disciplines and aspects of ultra running is still putting himself in positions to learn from people who know more than him. It's sort of like if anyone projects that they know everything it's probably not true so yeah it's a warning sign it's like red flag it's like oh i don't <laughs> i don't know and like even just like thinking about it it's like when i think imagine like someone's like imagine a guy who comes up and thinks they know everything like i don't think anyone's gonna ever have a positive experience so it's like sure you want a coach that knows things but like you don't want a coach that knows everything and what i mean by knows everything is really they think they know everything you know it's it's um, I don't know. And sometimes, I, you know, there's, I, I don't know, it gets the projection of that with some people that the way that they position themselves and that's fine. And that's maybe their message and things like that. But I always like 
I, I will always gravitate towards the person who's like, yeah, like this is what I know. This is based on my experience, but I'm still diving in, still diving into the research, or maybe I'm unsure of this area. I'm looking into it, like, which is super cool. I, I think like the theme of this, like little, like, I don't say little, cause this has been an amazing conversation. This amazing conversation has been like, stay curious. Like that's a cool, I think just a powerful mantra to have about life, you know? Yeah. And I think anyone just the one thing to throw out there, anyone looking, wondering if they want to coach is like, you can get any training plan you want on the internet. And I think just find that person who is going to instill the confidence in you and you're going to be confident, confident in yourself and work with you. Cause there's great training plans. You can be a pretty good, a great runner with just following a training plan or coming up with something on your own, but it's that interpersonal thing that really is that intangible benefit of a coach. And I'm sure you've realized that with having Zach too. Yeah, dude, you nailed that on the head, right? It's like, we all can get a training plan for free. We all even can go out and get the plan, but having that like feedback response and even just that person to mentally help us, like you were saying is Mm -hmm. like, just like, like I I shared in the Canyons recap episode, like I was freaking out before Canyons because like my life was really stressful and I was, wasn't getting sleep. And I was like in my head. And I remember shooting him an email being like, yo, I'm a head case right now. Like, what do I do? And he totally just disarmed it, which is great. And I'm sure like, you know, you probably get in the same situations where athletes were like, oh, maybe like, I don't feel comfortable or like, blah, blah, blah. It's, it's having like a coach isn't just someone who writes workouts. Like a coach is also someone who makes someone feel strong mentally. Right. Like it's um, uh, like the most interesting thing that I think I've ever heard in a podcast. And I actually recorded an episode with Tom Evans today and, um, was from him a while back. He said, this dude, you know, super fit. Like I'm sure we'll talk about him on the Western States preview, but he said a quote that always stuck with me. And that was, he was like, I spend more time talking to my sports psychologist than I do with like my physical therapist or working on like deep tissue stuff and everything. And like, I've never stopped thinking about that. It's, it's, it, and like a coach, you don't have to hire like a sports psychologist, but a coach can be that psychologist, you know? Oh yeah. I mean, they're going to be they're. I mean, they're not going to be in business if all their athletes fail. Their goal is the same as yours. They want you to succeed and mm-hmm. hit your goals. And that's why a coach asks you what your goals are at the beginning. Cause their, their whole reason for coaching is to help you hit those. So yeah, it's, I think it's a pretty cool dynamic and hopefully that gives some insight to anyone wondering out there is it's, not for everyone, but it certainly adds this wrinkle and this aspect that you don't get from just looking at runner's world and finding a hundred mile training plan or something. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Oh shit, Jeff. That was a great conversation. Like uh, just a awesome insights. Like this is, this is the essence of the monthly long run right here. Just diving (laughs) deep on this stuff, right? It's like we were on a run, but virtually on zoom with, uh, you know, not, not as good as a run, but Hey, at least least we're chatting. Yeah. Pretty close. Yeah. hundred <laughs> percent, man. Well, dude, shall we dive into a uh, good old Western yeah. States here? Let's hit the granddaddy of uh, USA trail running. Let's do it, man. Let's do it. And uh, for you, uh, I think maybe just like starting it off, like with, cause you, we, for those listening, we originally were going to try and record and then zoom was um, for lack of better words, just not cooperating with us on the day. And so, uh, but Jeff, you were, we were kind of talking before about, you know, your assessment of the course conditions and everything, which, and you've been in 
crazy conditions yourself, right? On various different trails and terrains. So I think you have a unique perspective on it, but talk to us a little bit about how you're looking at the terrain and the different course this year that we're probably seeing ever in the Western States history. Yeah, it's going to be really unique because there's going to be both snow and more exposure. So with um, recent fires, there's going to be more exposure. It's a little far out to know exactly the forecast, but still that sun beating down is going to tear people up. And that's right after they expanded more, expended more energy on the snow. And so this year, I think it's really going to favor people with experience or who are pretty good at multiple types of races and have kind of that well-rounded ability to get through things because often Western is a really fast course with some of the best athletes out there in knowing how to move through the snow or the heat and kind of just preserve yourself or not uh, see, I think not depending on splits and things like that and rather racing to the field is really going to be, make it really exciting, but also really interesting because some people who are showing up for the first time or haven't raced a ton, there's always a surprise, but I think it's going to be really tough to navigate that, especially if you have your uh, splits marked out and you're trying to hit them and then you're kind of worried about how that's coming together. I think it's going to be really tough for anything even remotely close to a course record to be challenged for this year or probably a while. Yeah, hundred percent. Such good points, especially with that snow in the beginning. It's such a a different beast. Like they're different, um, you know, uh, load impact on your legs. Like I think like the studies show, it's like I don't even know. It's like a ten to fifteen times like amount like more load on your legs than if you were just running on regular terrain. And this is the part where people are like fresh. They're springy. There's the the hype of the energy. Like you get up that escarpment. It's like this could be really dangerous for some people to just really go hard out in the beginning. And then to your point, get into that really exposed section earlier on. Sure. It's been hot in prior years, but it's been covered. Like now you got like the beating sun and you've raised Cocodona, you know how like being in exposed heat is just so much worse than being in, you know, wooded kind of, you know, coverage heat. It's still hot, but that solar radiation is just so much more prevalent. And I think like, it's really going to hit people earlier on, especially those who maybe I think take an aggressive strategy for sure. Yeah. And as always, but especially this year, it's pretty loaded with a lot of athletes that I think are pretty similar as far as their um, potential time. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be interesting to see if one or two of them goes out hard early, who goes with them. And if that comes back to bite them all, or if someone runs their own race, I think it really could be the year where if you just stick to your guns and run how you run that, that could really happen. And I, I'm really excited to see how the broadcast goes too, because I think there's going to be a lot more excitement than in recent years, kind mm-hmm. of on that maybe last 20, 25 miles or from the river, or we'll see where, but I think there's going to be, some people hitting the wall or bonking or having legs blow up and things like that. And that makes racing racing because it's, it's cool when someone runs away with it and has a great time, but it's amazing when you get sprint finishes or uh, really that racing competitive aspect where it's a, a pit, like a pit crew pit stop at mile 85 or something trying to get through as fast as you can because the guy in front of you is only a minute ahead that's when it's going to be exciting and i think we're going to have pretty close race this year i'm hoping 
Yeah, for sure. I totally agree with you. I think it's going to be a very close race. And to your point, we we will see some some blowups because it's interesting because like the way that I look at it too, and I'm sure you've noticed like seeing some of these races is like we had like Black Canyon two years ago with like True Heart Brown, dude that mm-hmm. nobody knew, but he like ran away with it in the beginning, like and was first place the entire time and no one like caught him. And I think like my again this is really only just an observation but i think people saw that moment and they were like i'm never letting anyone run away with this like ever again and so like these last races like black canyon and you know uh bandera and a lot of these canyons a lot of these golden ticket races people just go out screaming because i i and i it's basically just a who can hold on for dear life fast, like, like strongest. And I think it's because no one wants to let others get away. And it's really interesting to see the sport gravitate that way, because if it does go that way at Western for people, it's like, to your point, I think it's going to be the people who don't do that and run the smartest race that are going to get there. Like, do you think like knowing who's in the field, like, do you think people are going to go out hot or do you think people knowingly are going to maybe simmer it down like what do you what do you kind of assess i'm thinking that there's going to be three or four people on the men and women's side where people are going to stick to them and they're going to have this ability to either burn people out or they may burn themselves out but there's some really accomplished runners and um on both sides And I think it's going to be interesting to see how many runners are trying to stay with that lead pack for as long as they can. And it's going to be, I think, similar to Black Canyon in that sense, where just start out really hard. And then that front pack by the first half has almost fallen apart. And it's probably going to be a race between four to five people for that second half. I think it's going to be really interesting and a few people are going to do well in the conditions, but a lot of people are going to push well beyond what what's going to equal a successful race for them because so the top 10 get to come back next year and those five to 10 slots are pretty coveted especially on just hanging on to things or Mm. even if it's not your race being able to sneak back in there and live to fight another year type thing i think it's going to be interesting on kind of in that carnage of the top 10 who is able to get to the finish and have their spot for next year too Yeah. And I love that you brought up Black Canyon because it was like a perfect example. Like you mentioned, like, I think I don't remember the exact number, but like at the 50K mark, 39 guys were ahead of course record. Like, and I think only like, yeah, three of them like actually like held on or something like that. It was like some insane stat, which was, you know, only two of them got the course record, I should say, because Anthony and um, and Tom got it. But like that like is just absurd, like 39 guys like going that fast. And to your point, what happens is they just fizzle out and the other two will, will kind of come in and Tom and Anthony both super fit too. But I think like in races like Western States where you have more mileage, you have like basically 40 more miles to go um, that like strategy and smarts are super cool. And I think like kind of relating to your point uh, and I'm curious to hear your take on this. Like, I think there's a lot of guys who are either going to be um, like, they're either going to be top three or not even in the top 10. Like, like there is no like six, seven, it's either they're up there or they're not at all. I don't know. What do you think of that? Yeah. I think with Adam out this year, it feels wide open to a lot of people. So I think it's going to, a number of the top runners are going to put it all on the line. And I think we're going to see a lot of carnage from some of the favorites just because 
it is that wide open year when Jim was racing and Adam last year looked incredible that now that it's kind of wide open like that, it feels probably like this career altering opportunity to lay it all on the line. And that's great in a 50 K or 50 miles, sometimes even a hundred K, but a hundred mile, it's really hard to start laying it all on the line and hold on to that for 15, 16 hours. So we'll, we'll see how that goes, but I'm really intrigued by that. Cause I do think there's a lot of parody within the top runners and it really could be anyone's game out there. And just like racing. And as you know, someone might have a bad day. They don't know they're going to have a bad day right now. We don't know they are, but it is so dependent on how you wake up that morning. If you got a little cold or something or how that altitude treats you at the beginning, it's, it's such a fascinating race because it goes through different terrains, altitude, heat, and yeah. And also the energy of the crowd, it's pretty easy to get sucked into that and push too hard. So I don't know. It's going to be really exciting. And I do feel like this year is pretty wide open. Yeah. I love that you brought that up, right? Because, you know, we're, we're talking like it's going to be a great race, but probably, you know, a month later, if you asked us, it was like, oh, well, maybe Adam's the clear winner, right? Like Adam is the outright winner. Um, and it's, uh, yeah. And to, to see him, unfortunately have to drop out. It was like, wow, like now it's anyone's race. I think maybe the female side, I would say is, is a lock on, on the Courtney side, I might say. Um, but you never know. I mean, it's, uh, it's so hard. I was telling my fiance last night, I was like, yeah, if I could like literally take all my life savings and bet it on Courtney to like win this thing, like I 100% would, um, (laughs) I'm not actually doing that for people who are like actually wondering, but, um, it's, it's, you know, still to your point, it's a hundred miles. There's so many variables that can come into play and anything can happen. So um, it's interesting. And I'm curious, as you're looking at the fields, both men and women's side, are there any athletes that intrigue you or ones that you think should be watching out? Like, tell me, tell me maybe some of your favorite storylines or, or kind of athletes you're watching on the field. Yeah. And just before we go into that, I think Courtney is, you know, as much of a lock as there can be in things, but also 2021 hard rock. She had stomach issues and mm. Sabrina, Sabrina Stanley was able to really crush it and they were pushing each other through the hundred K mark. So I, I think it's like not a bad bet. I don't think we can bet on ultra running yet, maybe yes. someday, but um, <laughs> it is, it is a really good bet, but also, you know, stranger things have happened out there. So I just want to throw that little wrinkle out there too, that one of the best of all time, you know, has, it's not always your day. So a hundred miles is a long ways and you never know. But then I think some of the names that intrigue me, uh, I'll go with a couple that are maybe a little bit outside some people's mm-hmm. periphery. Uh, I really, so I think Scott Trayer has been putting up some incredible numbers in training and he just seems to casually go about it. And so if I'm kind of rooting for someone to just kind of crush it and hopefully in that top half of the top 10, I, I don't know if I necessarily would put my life savings behind it, but I'm really intrigued to watch how he races because he's pretty smart out there and does things uh, the right way. And I mean, his training is a beast as well. And then also maybe a little biased, but Corey Woltering has been putting in really Mm. good numbers in Northern Georgia. So he's going to do well in the heat and he's a a buddy as well. So I'm uh, jumping on on that, but I wanted to throw his name in there because I think he might surprise some people. He's had a 
pretty amazing journey. He's been sober for over a year and a half and he's just crushing training, looks super fit. So I am stoked to see how he does out there. And then, um, yeah, we got some of the more known people out there, but I'll save my my pick for the end. But I'm really intrigued by the uh, Dakota story, how he's riding his bike out there and then going to run it. He has turned down opportunities to run Western for multiple years. And it's sort of like he's a very patient person. So I think he has he's probably not going to be showing up to his first shot at using that golden ticket unprepared. So I'm interested to see how he does it. And I just love how he puts and he shows that, you know, behind footprints and also environment and value and stuff like that. He's putting that in line, even with Western States. It'd be so easy to fly out there, get a good night's sleep and everything, but he's really trying to shine light on that zero impact or lowering your carbon footprint by, I mean, he's taken a ship across the uh, Atlantic to races before. So I I just think it's so cool that he's sticking to his guns, but I still think he's going to do really well out there. So those are probably three storylines on the men's side that I'm intrigued by. Let's hear what you you're thinking. I love all those three storylines. Number one, because I could not agree on on Scotty even more. He's a dear friend of mine. I'll actually be crewing him too. So uh, we'll we'll be we'll be crewing him to uh to to victory out there for sure. I love how you touch about your friend in the south too as well. Like I think being used to the humid heat gives you such an edge. Like because if you can manage the humidity, you can manage the dry heat. Like I truly believe that. It's because with the humidity, you can't topical cool. You can't like do a lot of the same things because you're just always soaking wet. And it's like, if you can stay cool in those conditions, like dry heat's going to be a lot easier. So I love that you mentioned that. And then Dakota. Yeah. I mean, I I think he's an interesting pick because not only is it an amazing story, like, right. To like have that in there as well. And it's someone who's aligning with his values, but I think because he is seeing the, message as so much more important than the actual race itself he's nothing to lose like he yeah he literally has nothing to lose and i think i always fear the man who has nothing to lose like <laughs> that is um always a scary thought which kind of like comes into like my interesting storylines is and in, in speaking on the same thread is arlen glick so um if if this is actually after I'll release this episode after I've released the pre-race interviews, but I had pre-race interview with Arlen and was kind of just chatting about his comparison from this year to last year, last year, third place at Western States, um, very solid effort, really not known as a mountain runner, but still gets third place at, you know, a, what's considered a mountain hunter miler. Um, but he was telling me like, not only did he, you know, get a pro contract and now he's taking his training a lot more to that pro level, but he was saying, he's like, last year, people were telling me that, uh, you know, don't mess this up. Don't mess this up. Don't mess this up. <laughs> I felt like he had a lot riding on it. And he's like, yeah. this year, he's like, I got nothing to lose. And he says he feels fitter. And it's like, it, it's interesting. After I had that conversation with him, he bumped up in my rankings and I was like, yeah, like that, like wow. that, that is, um, and and I've just got to chat with Arlen personally too. He's he's very humble. He also has this like this fire, this drive that I think um, you know, when it comes to these competitive races, he lets it out. So I I love Arlen's story. Um, I think I think Arlen's gonna do very well. Another interesting storyline that I see is is Hayden Hawks. And so he's a big oh, name, man. obviously, but he's here, my pick for the whole thing. 
It is. Yeah. See, that's and I I like that pick a lot. He was he was my number one before I chatted with Arlen, and I, but he's still in my top top three for sure. Um, he is like someone who's just training has looked so good, so freaking good, um, so solid. He's been you know putting up amazing numbers at these races. He's like getting in solid uh, uh, training in the Grand Canyon, which I think is like perfect training for Western states, in my opinion. But at the same time, he's like one of those guys who I mentioned before, who I think he's either going to like, he's either going to win it all or like really like blow up. And I think that's just how he races. He races hard and everything. But I I think, I think for him, like coming second place last year, you can tell like when he crossed the finish line, spiked the bottle, he wanted that. And you listen to him talk like he, he wants this race and he's putting the training. Um, I think he's going to be very fun to watch regardless of what happens. Um, I think he's going to, if I were to guess, push it harder than anyone else on that field. Um, which is just, yeah. So rad. I'm curious, like, well, I mean, I know that you mentioned he was your pick to win it all. Like curious to hear your thoughts on, on Hayden on, on that day too. Yeah. I think how in my mind, how it's going to unfold is Hayden is so fit right now. He's going to start off well, and he's going to bring probably 10 to 15 runners with him. And Mm -hmm. I think that's where kind of that lead pack where everyone goes out hard. And I think Hayden can hold it together for the entire hundred, even through the conditions but i think a lot of the the races at least for the first half is going to be dictated by hayden i think people are going to be looking around sticking with him it probably be him and arlen kind of leading the charge and not to say one of those two wins it but i i really think that pace group and that lead group is probably going to be centered around those two yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I think uh, it's going to be interesting to see because I, I agree with you. I think Hayden's going to come out strong. He's going to come out hot. He's going to draw people out and people are just going to get smoked. But I think Hayden's fitness has the ability to hold on like for sure. And so that's a solid pick. I, I love that. And I, I think he's going to be very fun to watch because like you said, he's going to he's going to ship the field like he's going to be one of those guys who sets the tone. And those people are always super, super fun to watch. The other um, two people I'm interested, and this is kind of like a Black Canyon rematch, but um, two people, Anthony and Tom Evans. Now, here's why I'm so interested in them too. Um, Tom Evans, right, comes second place at Black Canyon, but he didn't taper for that race. He took it as a training race for Western States and still came in second for sure. Now, I did have an interview with him this morning. He said even on a fresh day, he's not sure if he could have beaten Anthony because he raced a great race. And I think there's validity in that statement for sure. Cause Anthony put up a beautiful race on there as well. And so I do think though, Tom tapered and this was, this has been the race he's been focusing on. And when you listen to this guy talk about how he treats his training, it's like, it's like a mad scientist in a lab, like in a good way, he's just getting all these variables. He's studying himself. He's brutally honest with himself and he's looking to the data a lot more. And I like, I do think there is a side where um, it can get too much, but you can tell with him, he doesn't like, he's not taken into a place where it does get to that level. Like he's just very deliberate. He's got that military mindset coming from the military. And I think, I don't know, there's something about his approach to training that obviously speaks well at his podium finish in 2019, his podium finish at UTMB last year, um, you know, beating Jim Walmsley too, which is, I mean, that's, that's an impressive stat any, any day of the game. Um, so I think he'll be impressive, but Anthony as well, like equally as interested to see him because his black Canyon performance, one of the best races I think I've ever seen. Um, and just, I think he, 
he's a fierce competitor and I love to see him going out and striving even after getting dropped by a sponsor and, and wanting to really just, you know, show like what he can do, not just for other people, but himself. And I think he runs his workouts have just been looking phenomenal on Strava. I've been following along and he's just been smashing it. So I'm interested to see the rematch between them two. Um, because I think, I mean, both are in my top five. Um, and I'm I'm curious to see the competition between those two. Yeah, I'm really intrigued by Tom Evans. I could see him crushing it, having an amazing race. And yeah, also could see him not having his best race and holding on to something in the top 10. I think he's just such a, a tough runner and a tough racer and a really good competitor. So he's one of the most intriguing and I could see him penciled in almost anywhere in the in the final results. So I'm really intrigued by that. And of course, Anthony, I think we all, a bit of us is rooting for that underdog story and just love the Ascension in 2023. So yeah, I don't have too much to add because I think you said it really well. It's going to be interesting and I expect both of them to be in that front pack for as long as everyone's holding on. Exactly, man. Yeah. I, I love that you're saying like Rune for the underdog story. He's just a uh it's going to be fun to watch for sure. So uh, coming into like the men's picks and then we can dive into to the women's race, which I think the women's race is going to be so interesting. But so give me your, uh, how many, how many people did you list out in your top? I listed the top five. So I don't know how many. What's, I, I went with the top five too. Let's we're on the same page, Jeff. We're on the same page. Cool. So uh, would you like to do the honors of, of your top five first? Yeah, I have, uh, I have Hayden Hawks winning it. And then I have Arlen finishing second and then I have Tom Evans third and then Dakota Jones fourth and then I really think Corey Woltering is going to surprise people so I put him number five nice let's go I I love that I'm I'm gonna be rooting for him to get into there because I I think it's always so awesome to see like a new name pop in and just be like you know no one's no one's looking out for them and uh like I think that makes it because I think when you're in these competitive races everybody knows the names of other people who have gotten on podiums and everything like that. But those dark horses, man, they can sneak up, make moves and, you know, take your soul and you don't even know who they are, which is super cool. So um, I think that would be awesome to see that for sure. My top five is, so I got, I I had shifted around this so many times. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's been a mess, but so my number one, is Arlen Glick. I think uh I think Arlen's gonna take it for sure. Uh wow. my num yeah, yep. So I think Arlen's Arlen's my number one. And number two is Hayden for me. Hayden was my number one. And then after chatting with Arlen, I uh <laughs> I, I bumped him. So Arlen's number one. Uh two is Hayden Hawks. Three is my guy, Mr. Run Fasta, Scott Trayer. I, I yes. think I think Scott's gonna get third. And and you nailed the point on the head. Um, so I'll just kind of echo that is like the dude is so dialed. Like, mm-hmm. and he, I even was like, you know, talking with him before and he was like saying, he's like, Hey, like, you know, like at this kind of race, like you don't have to be the fittest kind of guy, but if you have like a strategy nailed down, like that's going to carry weight. And for him, I mean, just knowing him as a friend too, like, and even just going over his crew strategy, I mean, the man is dialed to a freaking T like it's, and he's got so much years of experience under his belt. Um, So I think because of that, He's going to capitalize on the people who 
blow up. Um, and he's just going to have a consistent race. So I'm putting, putting Scotty at number three, number four, I have a uh, Tom Evans. I think Tom Evans is going to do really, really well. And then number five, uh, Anthony Costales. I think that's nice. going to be it. I, I will tell you though, Jeff, I wrestled so much with putting Dakota in here. It's like it, he, he was one, I was like swapping in and out with Anthony. Um, I just think, I don't know. I, I, I got a feeling about Anthony. There's, there's something, um, I think to be said about, you know, wanting to, you know, write a comeback story. And for him, it might, I don't know if that's how he would phrase it, but I think that's how everyone's kind of teeing up his story. And, um, whether I want it more, I think it's going to happen. I don't know, but I th- I'm putting Anthony a five. Greatest story would be if he could pull off a victory. I mean, I'm rooting oh, for him. Dude, that would be epic. That'd be so (laughs) epic. So epic. Um, So the men's side. Now let's move on to the the women's side. Um, I have an interesting take right off the bat. I think there will be um, there will be women in the overall top 10 for sure. Like no no doubt about it. There could be a couple. Um, I think I think like the women in the sport in general are getting so fast that we are closing the gap in performance, which is so freaking cool to see. Um, and I think they just run smarter races than men. I, I have yeah. that written down too. Yeah. Same like talk, talk to me about that. Yeah. I want to hear your perspective on that. Yeah. I think women run a lot of these races where there's so many variables, a lot smarter, and you can even see black Canyon, like pretty ideal day and fast course. And a lot of people were able to rip. And then there was carnage and stuff but i think a lot of the women i don't know i don't know if it's mentally tougher or what but i think they just race so much smarter just as a whole and i'm really intrigued to see kind of how that plays out and i don't know it might be eight to ten of the top 20 or something like that i think it's going to be pretty cool because there's a lot of really experienced tough women in the field and i'm really intrigued by that because i do think with variable conditions and this very likely burnout of probably some of the favorites, probably some in our top five, who even knows on the men's side that some of the the women there's, I wouldn't bet against any of them. I think they're just so tough, so strong. Most of them has, have finished and won races where they did not have their A game. So it's going to be pretty, pretty fun to watch. And I, I think that's, that's a really good take you had there. Yeah. it'll And you nailed it on the head. Like they're just more dialed in and like with this field of women, I think now granted, I know I said in the beginning, like Courtney was like a lock and then you, you, you're, you actually brought up a good point. And I, I believe I, and I'm only basing this off of Courtney's recent post. I'm actually going to pull it up because um, it's definitely useful for the conversation, but let's see, I'm trying to, okay. Yeah. So in Western, in 2019, Western States, she DNF'd. So mm-hmm. um to your point, like maybe not a lock all the time. And so, and she's also doing hard rock too. So you also got to think like, maybe, I don't know, like, and I, I haven't heard any pre-race interviews on her. It's like, I'm wondering if she's, I don't know, taking that into consideration in any bit. I wouldn't think so just maybe knowing her, but I think it's a variable to at least, you know, mull about and muse about, but where I was kind of going with this is like without Courtney in this race, I don't think there is a, a like a clear lock at all. Like Courtney, sure, if you say clear lock, I get it. Like that's a good take. But other than that, it is 
anyone like I struggled picking two through five for this list because there's so many fit women, so many women who are just so dialed in their training, so disciplined to your point, have one races, not feeling their best. Um, and those with a lot of course experience too. So it's going to be fun, fun to, uh, to see that out there. Oh yeah. And there's so many different women who excel at different types of races who are in yes. this, who have also like de- the conditions are going to just make it really interesting as to what style is going to come out on top. So yeah, I'm, there's a lot of interesting storylines here. Why don't you start us off on this one with uh, what you're kind of watching out for other than Courtney? Yeah. Other than Courtney, right. Courtney's the obvious one. So I will say uh, two or actually three names really come to mind of who I'm so intrigued to watch. Number one is Camille Heron. Now Camille is known as one of the greatest runners of all time, right? Men and female across the board, one of the greatest runners all time, world record holder, just a phenomenal runner. Um, But historically, you know, um, her road at States has been Rocky improving, but Rocky at best. Right. So like she had, you know, a year where she DNF, she had a year where she finished, but she was way down the list. And then last year she comes into the top 10 and she's showing improvement every single year, which is so cool to see. Um, And so I think with Camille, she's taking this approach of just learning after each kind of bout. Right. Because when she first started going this, she wasn't known as a mountain runner. She was just known as faster, flatter kind of runner, right? Like she does great at a course like a Javelina or even on these like time track events, like a desert solstice, right? She does excellent there, but in the mountains, it's, she's definitely a little or was out of her element. But I think now, like seeing that she's had reps on there, she's continuing to improve, which is showing she's continued to learn. Even as the field gets more competitive, I'm interested to see what Camille Heron does out there. I'm also really interested to see like racing in Lululemon for like a hundred miles. Like that'll, I think also like just from a perspective of just those shoes, like it's, it's, it's interesting to see. I mean, like Leah Yingling will also be there too racing and she's on the Lulu team too, but um, it would just be interesting to see those and again i've never tried the shoes i don't know and you know they're only for for females out there but um i just think that's a interesting storyline to look at for so i think camille heron this will be the year where she cracks into the top five um i don't i don't think this is her year to win yet i think she can but um she'll be an interesting like perspective to watch just from pure improvement. So she's number one. Number two is Nicole Bitter. Now, when it comes to experience on this course, Nicole has more than any other, the top women out there. This is her, I believe uh, she's got six finishes at Western stage. She's towed the line multiple times before. Like when someone knows the course, it's her. Now, granted, we were talking before the course is a little different this year. It's going to require those things. But I think even though the course is different, if you have the experience of racing like that much, kind of like similar to Scott Treyer, like that's going to pay out, right? You know how to manage the snow, you know how to manage the heat, you know how to manage these conditions. And Nicole Bitter's on a freaking tear. I mean, Havelina puts up a near golden ticket worthy performance, right? Just coming mm-hmm. short right after Riley Brady. And then months later, well, months later, she goes to race Cape Town and has its freak angle ankle issue and has to drop out of the race and then spontaneously signs up for Bandera and comes in second place behind Courtney DeWalter at a blistering time to get a golden ticket. I mean, that's just like when you think of that string and just 
like three, four months, that's wildly impressive. And so I think, uh, I think Nicole Bitter is going to be so awesome to watch um, because I always love to see people with so much experience out there on the course. So Nicole is definitely my number three or number. Yeah. Well, I just gave it away. I'm where she is on the podium for me, but <laughs> my number two person to watch number three on the podium, there's a little sneak peek. And then the last one, cause I know I'm kind of going long here is uh Keely Henninger. I think, um, she it was devastating to see her have to drop out last year doing it due to the ankle injury that she had early on like and fan favorite just super awesomely talented athlete but also just so dialed into with her training her training on strava has been just looking out of this world um and she's one too who um has like so much focus on nutrition and fueling and she's got that scientific background where she really studies it and being a student of the sport similar to a tom evans like i was saying before like where they're just students of the sport um similar to you as well like and and how you are always continuously learning i I think there's a, a value on that as well. So I think Healy's going to have, you know, this return to Western States and and just smash it out of the park um, for sure. So those are my three minute women to watch. I know that was a long ramble. So um, give me, yeah. give me a long ramble as well for the women. Yeah. You hit uh, most of the storylines too, that I'm really intrigued by, especially this. Oh, shit. Whole, I didn't mean to em- take it all. <laughs> oh no, you didn't take it all. But this whole emergence of Lululemon is just on a, broader scale going to be pretty fascinating as it goes. And this is going to be kind of their first splash with two returning top 10 finishers. And I don't know, we'll see how it goes and I'll save my picks for uh, the end of this, this portion of it. But I don't know. I'm, I'm really intrigued by the pressure and the the push and joining a new brand with kind of the launch into trail running, how that's mm-hmm. going to affect uh, Leah and Camille. So that's one storyline. I'm really intrigued by Heather Jackson. Ooh, just so she's pick. so new to um, ultra running in general, but just has this incredible background of endurance and pushing. And she did so well at Black Canyon, um, finishing second that like you could close your eyes and throw a dart. I have no idea. And I don't know how it's going to go, but I think it's going to be really fun to watch and see, see what comes of the storyline, switching sports, going in all into ultra running, but with limited experience on, I don't think any experience on the hundred mile distance. So that's a storyline that is pretty intriguing. And then Keely, another thing to add to that is I, after black Canyon, she took some time off, um, Mm. And I think it's going to help. I think that she can do, she's going to do really well. And it's almost contra and how we were talking about the whole Strava tendencies before is she didn't like stop training, but went way lighter, lowered the volume and then ramped back up. It's almost like she got to turn over a new leaf, whereas a lot of people train straight through some of those golden ticket races into Western. So I think having that freshness and then kind of sharpening the tools with She's been out in the Tahoe area and running the trails and everything lately. I think she's going to do really well. And I think it could also be really intriguing for people in the future of this. You ramp up to your golden ticket race, you let your body fully recover, and then you ramp up to the next race. I think that that gap is really going to contribute to, I think, being fresh and doing really well out there. 
such a good take. I totally had bit forgot that Keely took that that month off and then she took that time to study and like do things goals outside of running like uh which She's is a just a really well-rounded person. Yeah. Yeah, and and I love that you touched on that because I think it it also right it leads to that freshness too, but it's also got to be like just mentally like a lift too, right? Because you're not coming in maybe after, you know, just running, 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 just super fried and focused on that one thing. Um, She probably like had that mental break as well, which probably gets her stoked for race day, right? Oh yeah. I think she's going to be just crushing it out there, raring to go. She, I mean, just coming off a win at Black Canyon, super competitive, might be one of the top five most competitive races in the world this year and going into Western, which will be maybe a slot or two ahead of that. I, I think she's going to thrive in that competition. And I'm really stoked to see how this whole redemption tour of being back at Western goes. Cause I don't know, she's pretty tough. She's putting in good mileage, but she's also pretty fresh, at least compared to some of the, the uh, weekly numbers other people have put up. Yeah. I, I love that you touched on the freshness too. Cause like a lot of the times, like when, like I hesitated to put people who like got the golden ticket at canyons on a lot of these like lists. Right. Because like, mm-hmm. it's such a quick turnaround now, granted, right. Everyone's probably listening to me like, but Adam Peterman did it last year. Uh, I also think Adam Peterman's Adam Peterman, um, in, in my opinion and view, um, it, that's gotta be such a hard race to, to come back off of, to, to bounce back, like, I mean, it's eight, last week of April, right? And then maybe you take like a week off, but then you only have like a few solid weeks to really do anything and make any progress before it's June time again. So like on that freshness piece, like it's it, it's definitely, I think, something to consider as well. And I think looking at the lens of Keeley taking it so intentional, I think she's, she's going to be ready to go for sure. And this golden race schedule of at least Bandera, uh, Black Canyon, and then Canyons, that means you're having two A races within anywhere from three to five months. That's pretty yeah. insane. That's two A races in a single year is ambitious. And these are two of them within less than six months. So it's it's going to be pretty interesting. And hopefully uh, one of those people on Twitter that's really good at compiling those stats comes up with something because I'd love to see that correlation of you know, getting a golden ticket or running a great race at one of those really quick hundred Ks translates into how people do overall, because yeah, Adam is, you know, incredibly talented and a great runner. So maybe that's a a unique situation, but yeah, I'm interested to see how it turns out for everyone. But I do think that taking the time off and sort of respecting that recovery is going to be fun to watch and see how it plays out. So let's get to your picks. Go for it. You lead us on this one. Absolutely. All right. Well, um, I, uh, as I said before, I think I gave away my number one too. when I said I would bet my whole life savings on, uh, <laughs> I think is number one. So number one, I have Courtney, um, n- no surprise. And number two, I think even just from, from the long conversation of hers probably assumed is Keely. I think, I think Keely's a number two. And I, I think if there is anyone to beat Courtney, I think it can be her. Um, I think it could be her. And so, um, and she's one where like, I kind of come in our conversation before when we were talking about the men's where, you know, someone can either come top three or top 10. I mean, I think Keely is going to be in the top five. Um, even if she doesn't get second, first, like I think she'll be in the top five. So Keely's my number two, number three, I already said it before, Nicole Bitter. I think Nicole's going to get on the podium here. Um, number four, uh, Katie Asmith. We didn't talk at all about her. 
but I think Katie Asmith is four. Um, she, you know, dealt with an injury after last Western States came in eighth last year on a very, very bad day for her. Like just a lot of issues with her stomach. I remember she like had her on the podcast after she was talking about like just puking and diarrhea and just like stomach issues, just like grinded it out and still got eighth place. And, um, she has this stoke for running, um, that I think is just so palpable and she's been itching to get back out here. And, as she's gotten back into the sport, she's been putting in good races and she lives in mammoth too. So she's probably been getting some good snow stuff. I haven't been looking too deep into her training, but um, just being in that area is going to help her out with those first few miles. So I think Katie Asmith will come in fourth and number five. Uh, like I said, I think Camille's year for the top five um, comes in at number five is Camille Heron in the Lululemon trail shoes, um, putting them on the map. Maybe, I don't know who see, who knows, but uh I'll put Camila five. Uh, all right, Jeff, hit me, hit me with your top five. Wow. Yeah. Mine has been crossed out and rewritten a number of times, but I also <laughs> have Courtney number one and Keely number two. Not there we go. too much to add there. Um, I picked Marianne Hogan to oh, uh, go number three. So I think just coming off UTMB and Western last year, she's just really strong, really competitive. So I'm interested. I think that's going to, I don't know, be, be quite a story to watch out there as well. I don't exactly know how the race will unfold, but I think if toughness comes into play, that's going to be, be interesting to watch. And then I have Camille Heron number four. So I think she's going to do really well. I am a little bit worried about all the volume and pushing for the 48 hour world record, but she's also so tough and so much experience that in a race where there might be some carnage, she can push like no other for 48 hours and she's only got to do it for 17 to 18 hours in this. So I, I think it's going to be good. And then I actually also put her teammate Leah Yingling at number five. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think that Lululemon's going to, going to make a showing out there. And I just think they're both such great Western States runners as Camille has moved up every single year. And I just am interested to, see if she can even crack into that top three too. And then Leah is such a smart runner. She's a patient runner. And I think it's really going to benefit her even in this incredibly stacked field. Such a good pick putting Leah in there for sure. I love the Marion Hogan pick. That is just an awesome move too. Cause you, you can never count her out. Like you yeah. can never count her out. Like she's just so reliable. She's a consistent pick and she's just a great runner with again, tons of experience as well Um, at a lot of these competitive races. And yeah, Leah was the other one. Like, like I mentioned before with Dakota, I struggled on the men's of like, how do I get him in here? Like Leah was the same thing. I was like, like um, it almost, I feel almost like stupid for not putting her in the top five, but uh, I think she'll be at six and yeah. Or I don't know. Uh, it's, it's so tough to say, but it's a There's 15 pick. to 20 on the men's and women's side that I could have put in my top five. I think it's that competitive. And with a race like this, it's going to be that interesting. And just like we mentioned earlier, it just depends on whose day it is out there and it's going to be a fun one to watch. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Where last question on the pick side of things, where do you put Heather Jackson on the list? Oh, I don't know. That's a, that's, that's a tough one to come up with. I don't know. I could see it going really well or really not well. So (laughs) probably optimistically in that back half of the top 10, but I think it's going to be a pretty big learning experience. A hundred miles is a lot different than a hundred K and coming from Ironman and triathlon this is a lot longer. It's 
a way different adventure out there of just so many environments and triathlon. Um, and I did some when I was younger, uh, it's, you're very much centered around the same spot of the locations and it's loops on the bike or runs and stuff, but you're going through so many different terrains and different things and working with crew. And you're going to go through so many highs and lows in a hundred miler that I don't know. She, I think she could do really well and gut it out, but I almost think you need that one year of experience. And of course it was Adam's first hundred mile or two last year, but he did have that huge running background and competitiveness too. So yeah, she's, she's a tough one to slot in. So had her written down as a storyline, but did not feel good enough about putting her in the top five. It's a great take. It's a great analysis on there, right? Because I think a lot of people to add to that will point to her Javelina performance and be like, look, first 100 miler, but Javelina versus Western States, like, I mean, two different ball games. like one's a fat, like, sure, the heat maybe is like probably the biggest element, but like Javelina is so flat and fast and this is a mountain race and like a lot more technical things you have to manage. There's the snow, there's the variability and sure she's done well at black Canyon, things like that. But when you add 40 more miles into the mix with all those elements, it's, it's going to be interesting. She's going to, I think she'll lead for like, not outright, but she'll be in the top pack for probably a lot of the race. Um, but I think we'll start to maybe see the, um, the, the newness um, kind of show towards the end. Um, I think eventually she's got what it takes to be in that top five, no doubt, but yeah, you, you have a good point. I think it's a, it's a very solid take for sure. Yeah. So, so what are we betting on this? I think, how about like a, a hundred pushups for who gets their picks closer or something like that? Lock it in hundred pushups. I'm down. All right. And my, my upper body is like, like, please no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right, mine who, too. <laughs> whoever, whoever gets the, uh, the, the least picks right in total hundred pushups and, uh, we, we will, we will document it on the socials, um, Perfect. as punishment. <laughs> awesome. Well, Jeff, uh, the last question I want to ask you here is, you know, to wrap things up here, do you have any interest in ever running Western States? Oh yeah. I have interest just for the history, the intrigue. I don't think it's, um, you know, net major downhill course pretty fast. I don't think it would play to my strengths. Um, but I would love to, and you know, every year I've had tickets I put in for the, mm. the lottery. So one day I'll get in there and I'll run it and I'll have a great time. I kind of equate myself to the Pete Mortimer thing, like a really good, I think he was around 20th or somewhere in there, maybe top 20, like really good race. It's not necessarily in his wheelhouse and, but really go out there with that enjoyment. You give it the best you can and not every race is for everyone, but man, the fanfare and the, the intrigue is way up there. And I know, it's probably a little bit more suited towards your running style. So, and you've been pretty vocal about you will definitely run Western one day. <laughs> yes. A hundred percent. Yes. Uh, that is, that's the the goal that I always put out there. It's like one day I'll get in that line, but it's all for the same reasons. Like you mentioned, like the, the, the I've never been there. It'll be my first time there next week as I'm crewing Scott. Um, but I've just heard the atmosphere, the energy, like even when I was asking like Tom Evans, who's, you know, been in Europe where they have like, the grandos, like, you know, kind of aid stations that you can be, he was like, yeah, like the energy that you get at the aid stations and seeing the people is unlike anything else. And, um, I would just love to experience it. Even just like the history, knowing it's like, this is the first hunter miler and Gordy, that 
tough SOB literally like ran a horse race on foot. Like that is just like, like the first time I heard that story, I think my mind like melted. And that was even before I knew what ultra marathons were. And so like to, to go race on the place where like my mind first got introduced to this crazy sport, I think is just so freaking cool. So I have all the same reasons, but we need to get you on the uh, Western hard rock double like that. That's what we need to get you on. Oh yeah. Hard rock is sort of the, the a dream for the future. So we'll, we'll get there someday. Qualify at Mogollon and then uh, get, get in that list, baby. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Sweet Jeff. Well, any, any last words, any, uh, man, we, we did a lot of stuff on this one. So thanks everyone who stuck <laughs> with us, I think is the main thing. And yeah, we are just fans and also happen to be uh runners with goals as well. So it's always fun chopping it up and talking about some of the best in the sport. Absolutely. Yeah. And if anyone wants to follow along on Jeff's uh, journey, check out his book, uh, Whole Nine Yards from there. I'll put the links in the show notes. So please follow along. Uh, read Jeff's book too, Free Outside. Super, super awesome book. As I pointed out in the original, the, the recording, it's like, you, you take this picture, um, I have it here again for for reference here on the, the new fresh recording. Like this is the, this is what the start of Western States going to look like. This is, uh, <laughs> this is actually uh, Olympic Valley on here. No, I'm kidding. But uh it's a great book. Please check it out. And Jeff, dude, thanks for hopping on here, man. Super cool to have you on for the monthly long run. And uh, dude, great, great takes on the podcast. You are you are a born commentator. <laughs> thanks so much. Yeah, super fun as always. And let's all enjoy this Western broadcast. Let's do it. Thank you so much for listening to the Everyday Ultra Podcast. I appreciate you taking the time to do so. And if you absolutely love the show and want to support us in any ways, there's a few ways that you can do so. The first way is writing us a review on the platform of your choice. Reviews really, really matter and they help us to spread the word a lot more. So if you have the time to do so, would love that as well. Number two, you can join our Patreon community. Patreon helps us to support the show and helps us to grow and invest into new developments and growth. And on top of that, just for about $5 a month, you can get access to monthly calls with me where you can ask me anything on a monthly basis, connect with other members in the Everyday Ultra community, and ultimately get early access episodes without ads as well, which is super, super cool, all for about $5 a month. So it's a great way to support us. And then number three is taking care of our sponsors on here. So as you heard in the beginning of the podcast, uh, we had some sponsors in here. And if you want to invest into their product and uh, go try them out, they're all products that I've tried either in my training and I live by. I don't take any sponsorships from anybody I don't incorporate in my training. So uh, feel free to take advantage of their product and tell them that Joe sent you from Everyday Ultra. Those are three ways to support the podcast, but no matter which way that you choose or if you don't choose a way at all, just know that I really appreciate you for listening in. I know there's tons of podcasts out there and the fact that you're listening to us, that really, really means a lot. All right, everyone, thank you so much for listening. And remember, become a better endurance athlete every day, and we'll see you real soon. Take care.